Good morning and welcome to your daily game face. I'm Dr. Kim Landon. And I what was the response you were looking for? <laughs> and if you caught that, I, I was saying whatever to Lou and yeah. that whatever. Because we were having a discussion. Sums, this sums us up perfectly. <laughs> Swords up, baby. <laughs> if you caught the beginning, that's how our whole day starts. So we were having a discussion about this pure protein bar that I have in my hand because I've been doing a cleanse this week and I'm starving right now and I yeah. didn't eat anything yet this morning. So Lou was kind enough to give me the protein bar and um, and it's fine. And then we were talking about, I wonder how much sugar it has in it. And then you go to look at it and it looks like, oh, it only has three grams of sugar. Then you find out that actually, in fact, it has 14 grams of sugar because you have to look for the other things that say that it's not sugar, but sugar. But it is sugar, sugar, alcohol in this case, <laughs> sugar, alcohol. So it's a lot of sugar. And then and then on top of it, it has 220 milligrams of sodium, which, of course, you know, and 20 grams of carbs. But it has 20 grams of protein. And Lou made a comment that it would sustain me till next Wednesday because I wouldn't <laughs> have to eat again because he thinks that I don't eat. Well, well you... I eat minimally. I don't eat to live. I mean, I do eat to live. I don't live to eat. Difference. Yeah. I mean, so, I eat minimally. You, you go. You have issues. Oh, I would not say have issues. <laughs> you've said anymore. that you've, you've declared this yourself. That I have. I don't have issues anymore. I have a bad relationship with food because of being a gymnast and growing up in my life that I grew up in. Well, a bad relationship with food is an issue. <laughs> but it's not current. Yeah. Okay. I don't have a bad relationship. I'll eat whatever I want. I just am really good about my choices. Mm -hmm. There's a difference. I have retrained myself how to eat correctly. Yep. So I'm not, um, you know, doing bad things to my body by doing what gymnasts and ice skaters and swimmers and, you know, starvation diets. Yeah. Because that's such a brilliant idea to teach children to do because you can't come into the gym if you're over 100 pounds because that makes you fat. They didn't send you home? Um, certain coaches do. You're not allowed yeah. to gym if you hit over a certain weight. And I'm just saying. So anyway, but I don't have that. But I am doing a cleanse this week just because I'm getting ready to train for. What am I oh, training for? Boston Marathon? There you go. Yeah. November 1st is start day. Can yeah. you believe it? Really? November we get to start talking about the Boston Marathon already? <sighs> you know, <laughs> seriously, I'm going to get you a sword that has like a cork on the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're going to start talking. Well, not today, but I yeah. am starting. November 1st is a start date for real training for the Boston Marathon. Don't you know how long it takes to train for that thing? Yeah, I can imagine. It's not like four weeks and then you just go oh, run no, it. I understand. However, I will admit that due to injuries in my years gone by over the eight years going into the ninth year, I've done this. I have not been able to be like superstar at it in terms of like time and stuff, which is fine. I just need to finish. Right. Cause I do it for charity. But, um, my goal is to not be injured. I still have a foot issue this year, but <laughs> oh, that's um, still I, lingering. Oh, God, I can't yeah. find the right shoe. Yeah. So anyone out there that wants to fix my foot um, from my navicular bone that's dropping because I'm aging that you can't do anything about except for Shalene Flanagan, who's a, an Olympian runner. She had hers removed, but I don't want to <laughs> okay. do that um, because she was having the same problem I'm having. Um, but well, that should tell you something I, to get it removed. Well, it's going to be an ongoing problem. Thank you. Because I'm guessing she exhausted her options. My guess is that yeah. she did as well. Yeah. So, but I'm hoping that um, this year will be a better non-issue year. And did that work, what, by what the I, way? What? 
removing yes. the bone? Yes, it did. For and her. what was the trade-off? Um, she had downtime in training. I think she took time, like a whole bunch of time off. I mean, is this stuff you can't do after you have your venicular no, bone she... removed? <laughs> um, after you have your navicular bone. Navicular. Removed. Yes, that's Sorry. okay. After you have your, um, I don't think so. she's running. I mean, she's running one races since she had it out. So get it done. Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of foot surgeries yeah, because I can imagine because once you start doing things to your feet, if they make mistakes, that's it. And I'm way too young for that to happen. And mm -hmm. I know, I mean, I would have a top doctor for sure, like she did, but I don't want to mess with that. So I'll figure it away. But my point of saying this whole thing was that I have been known in the past to run marathons. Literally, you would think I just kind of rolled off the couch and just went out and did it because <laughs> that's, that's mind over matter. Yep get through the next mile kind of thing. So mental toughness on that one, you know, that's what my gymnastics training taught me. Well, it also taught me to starve myself, Yeah. you know, because that's healthy. <laughs> Lou's just staring at me. Well, everything in moderation. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, when you're at the level of yeah. athleticism that I was at and that moderation is not part of the vernacular right. versus the navicular vernacular. That word I've got. I know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, what, what what are we talking about today? I have a great topic. Oh, no. I actually had a what? ton of topics today. I don't know. You tell me what we're talking about So today, today I'm going to talk about chronic illness and mental health because yeah. I think it's important given that um, it's always the holiday time that this stuff comes up, but it's, uh, it's year-round. But chronic illness and mental health, and what does that mean? So chronic illness... Let's define that first. Chronic illness can be anything that you're dealing with on a medical, physical level that's not mental health, right? Right. And so that could be diabetes. That could be, in, in, in kids, it could be eczema, atopic dermatitis, um, you know, psoriasis, headaches, um, acne. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm just thinking of like kind of general things that people deal with that you wouldn't necessarily see, see as a problem, but they, the chronic illness and the nature of the actual medical condition is creating an environment for a person to end up having some kind of mental issue out of it. Now, when I say mental issue or mental problem, that doesn't mean you're institutionalized that level. It's more that it creates anxiety and depression in people. Mm -hmm. And, um, and there's this woman out in, in Los Angeles that's done a really great study. Um, I think her name is Lisa Gottlieb, but she did a really great study on chronic illness and mental health a while back and talking about how, how doctors, and I've talked about this before, how doctors, not maliciously, but tend to just focus, you know, on the medical condition right. and miss this other piece time and again. And because they miss the piece, they what the research bears out, which we've known, and it's unfortunate because it hasn't really changed a lot. And here's the gender piece. Women typically get bypassed and people of color. So like, and I say that like broadly because it could be Native American, African American, it, you know, anybody within the non-white Caucasian area and not male, right, mm -hmm. tends to still have that stigma attached that if someone's saying, that they have something wrong with them. Like I'm tired. She puts an example in her research study of like women who say like they're tired. Doctors will often not look at the systemic medical issue that's creating the, the problem of what tired actually is. They just look at tired and then 
create like a, a narrative around it. Like, well, mm. you need to have more sleep or you just have to do you know yeah. something else instead of being like, well, what's going on? Um, and excuse me, one of the things that came up um, years ago, and you probably fill this out because we all do. I laugh at when, it, when I have to fill it out. I giggle. But we all have to go into the primary care and you fill out the, you know, the, the, the Beck depression inventory. Now it's for face value because you know exactly what it's asking you. So if you yep. want to, if you want to look like you're absolutely depressed and down in the dumps and like you're going into the hospital right now, you can make yourself look like that. And if you want to look like completely perfect and non-suicidal and like not institutionalized, you can make it look like that. So yep. everyone fills that out. But that was one of the remedies, the band-aids for having primary care offices fulfill the need for people um, in their mental health issues. So they, you know, you check your list off, you know, your 20 questions, whatever, or the anxiety checklist. And then, and then that's it. That's it. So, it, and, and primary care doctors, I get this all the time. Primary care doctors will send their patients to me saying, well, they checked off all these boxes. So they have depression, anxiety, and they've diagnosed them now. And then they put them on Zoloft. And I'm like, yeah. wait, wait, yeah. wait, because that's, it's, um, first of all, if you're going into your primary care, and you're filling out the Beck Depression Inventory, which is the BDI. That's what you'll see at the top. It won't say that. It will say BDI-1 or BDI-2 mm -hmm. or the anxiety scale. Um, that's one measure. And it's just a quick, I call it the dirty measure of, yeah. of just getting, because it's it's so obvious. It's so obvious what it's asking for. Sure. So anyone can feign whatever they need to. So diagnostically, going to a psychologist and a person who's trained in assessment of this is, is really so much more um, a part of understanding like a chronic illness with mental health, because you can't just diagnose that. And people do it all the time. You know, doctors do it all the time. Yeah. And then you end up with people like on these medications, which we've talked about. And then the medication masks what I now can't see because yep. now I have to undo or untangle um, the issue because the medication's in the way and we don't really know what's going on. So there's so many facets to this around. And even if the GP diagnoses it quote unquote correctly, he's only got a limited amount of tools. Right. They, so they prescribe they, you something. That's basically it. They, they have three minutes to deal with you. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's why I'm, I'm, I'm constantly, and then this goes back to the self-advocacy piece that I've been talking about over the past couple of weeks for a variety of things. If you don't self-advocate, you're going to, you're going to struggle in your primary care, getting you to hear you. Now my primary care and I, well, we, we sort of work together because I send her patients and she has me patients <laughs> and, and I often just, you know, call her up and be like, this is what I need and this yeah. is what's going on. And so, but to have that is because we've come to a really good rapport. And, um, I think many people don't do that with their doctors and, I have, I have a client who actually has had it probably, and to no fault of her own, I actually will tell you that she is like just a good consumer and she won't settle for someone who doesn't listen. Um, but she's probably gone through eight or nine different people because they don't spend the time. And she often will say, they don't listen to me. They're not hearing what I'm saying. Right. They, they pawn it off on, and what I said at the top of the show, like they pawn it off on something else or that they say it's a mental <laughs> It's a mental issue. And she's not, she, she sees me for more of like life coaching and she's been with me a long time. She's very stable. There's nothing yep. like severe, um, you know, occasionally some anxiety and stuff like that, but you know, she actually has an actual, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, chronic condition. She has a small little tumor on her, um, thyroid. Hmm. 
and she hasn't had anything done with it. And every single person that she's seen, including the endocrinologist, bypasses it as creating some of the issues that she does have. She has some weird symptoms that come up and they always push her back to me saying it's psychological and it's, it, it just isn't. And yeah. so we, I've had her long enough in my practice that <clears throat> we have realized that we finally got her to a really good specialist who's actually listening to her, but it took her advocating yeah. and me advocating behind her to say like, no, she's not, this is not a mental health issue. It's creating a mental health issue. And that's the point is that this chronic illness that she's had since childhood is creating these weird, um, like anemia in her, it creates a low iron in her. It creates all these things that, you know, when they look at the, um, the labs on her, her iron is sitting right on the edge of the line. And you know how, unfortunately, many people that take the three minutes or less, they look at it while well, it's in the zone. So it's, it's fine. But right. I always tell people that unless you're smack in the middle, if it's on the edges of your zone of any of your labs, that means that there's likely something up there. And to either redo the lab in a couple of weeks or start like working on that because it's it could create a chronic mental health issue, right. which is usually anxiety and depression because it creates a lingering thing for you. So if you have anemia or if you have like um, I have a uh, friend who has. Um, oh, my God, I just lost it. I will come back um, dementia, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chronic illness, right? Oh, there you go. Um, um, so if you have if you have one of those kind of illnesses, and, and I'm thinking of it, it begins with an H. Kathy, if you're listening, you know, like let me know. Um, but it's a chronic illness that is completely waxing and waning all the time, and you never know what's what's gonna be from the meta from the body function of the day like it could be a great day and the next day it could be you know your hands are yeah. all swollen and you're stiff and it's kind of like arthritis but it's not but let's go with arthritis right so some days it's great yep. some days it's not so if you're constantly battling that and you kind of put it in a compartment on the side and and you're like okay it's there but i'm not really paying attention to it and then some days it's really bad you're constantly fighting that in your adaptive system, in your in your body for your mental health stuff. So you you get like down about it, or you get really anxious because sometimes when it can flare up, it can be anxiety yeah. provoking. That what's going to happen here? Am I going to get sick? Am I is something bad going to happen? Or just so down because you're dreading it? Like kids with acne, I see this all the time. I <clears throat> kids will come in and they'll have they'll be anxious mm -hmm. and not not depressed diagnostically from anyone but by the time i've seen them they have some level of dysthymia which is at least a low moderate level of depression and the reason why oftentimes is not only are they that but what's creating it is not a medical condition per se but they have acne which is causing them a social issue yep. which is causing them to feel really bad about themselves and now we've got anxiety and depression because there's all kinds of right. factors that go in there and you know and a lot of times kids don't have good coping skills around that because how quickly it flares up, right? Acne comes on and then it's like, boom. And then if you don't get on medication, because you do have to usually have that, especially kids that have it really bad and it's chronic, like, um, you know, the cystic kind or, yeah. or things that have like the deep crevices that leave the marks. Yeah. It's very painful um, for them. So I think it's, it's super important to have uh, if you're a parent of a kid that has a chronic illness, obviously being a good advocate for them or teaching them good advocacy skills so that they can get relief from that because they usually go together. If you've got a chronic illness, you are you are also waxing and waning with 
depression and anxiety. There's yeah. no, it's just, it's just impossible to escape that because it's, it's unpredictable. Yep. And I still can't think of the name of that. <laughs> it's, it will come to me some right when the show ends. Yeah. We're back to awareness though. We're back to awareness of why it is, you know, with me, sometimes that's just fatigue. I get worn down by fatigue. It's not, not necessarily that I'm tired. It's just like, I'm tired of being tired. Right, or, or I'm not getting stuff done that I want to get done because, you know, and then that just add that piles on to all the anxiety that you have. Right. So you that's a that's more of like not a medical thing. That's more of like a situational, chronic situational thing where you get overwhelmed and then it makes you more overwhelmed. So more like yeah. a meta anxiety, right? Because it's not medically based, right? But in some way it is for you. I'm gonna so I'm well gonna, it was. I'm, I went I'm, through I'm, I went gonna, through a med that Right. Well, I was just yeah. going to say, I was going to out that a little bit. Yeah, that's okay. It's fine. That yeah. You were, you were on this medication that when you shared it with me, I'm like, this is what the problem is. And you were like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> and, and you got off the medication and your life changed a, yeah. a lot. Yeah. It got much better. And it was that med. And, and that's, that's similar to what I'm saying is that had you not, you didn't know. But and, well, your doctor, things... and your doctor didn't tell you. And I, that's why I say it's not malicious. Yep. I think doctors don't pay enough attention, unfortunately. And and you're male. So, you you yeah. you know, you didn't escape the. I'm the, privileged. I know, right? An old white male. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't mean anything by that. But that was a that's a good example of advocacy. First of all, I don't see the doctor. I see a physician's assistant. Right. And well, she's, that, she's she, great. Yeah. I was going to say, she, they're very well trained. I mean, it's yeah. very close. No, the same they, thing. they're well trained, but they're not under the same. They just deal with you differently. It's a different relationship. Right. Well, because they have the amount of time. Yeah. They, they're given more time in the schedules typically than the physician themselves. Yeah. And even for me, it's tough to s stand up and say, I don't think this is the right medication, but you and I had the conversation about it. And right you have an informed opinion. So I felt a little bit more confident and she was fine with it. She was great with it. Just flipped it right over. And we flipped over to another, it was, it's high blood pressure, uh, high blood pressure medication that worked much better. Right. And you know, we, we got rid of the beta blocker and it, all those symptoms went away and I'm not, I didn't go back on it. Right. And that's, and that's the thing is that you, you had the empowerment and that's sort of what I was saying about like what I do with my job is I'm, I help empower people to have the ability to go to have self-advocacy behaviors like you did for yourself. Cause you trusted, thank you yeah. for what I said about that medication you were on. And, and it clearly made sense to her because she knew that's true. Yeah. Um, but that particular medication, which I won't out, but that particular medication in high blood pressure um, in men, is what was doing to you, which is as soon as you said that medication, I'm like, well, in men, that's what it does. And yeah. it's, it's chronic. It's, we know it, they shouldn't even give it to men because it's like 90% of the time it's going to do exactly what it did to you, Yeah. but it's a go-to it's like, you know, people have their first go-to. So they go right to that particular med and go, um, I might as well just say it at this point because <laughs> people are going to, because people are going to ask me, they're going to be like, what yeah. med is it? But I don't want to give advice like that because I don't know people. Yeah. So, um, but varies for different people. Right. So, so that goes back to a chronic issue for you. High blood pressure is a chronic medical condition for people. Mm -hmm. um, you can control it in many different ways, but it creates tiredness, which also creates lethargy and feeling down and bluesy or melancholy at times. But I was... Or unmotivated yeah. or lazy. But I was asymptomatic. Gym. I didn't know I had high blood pressure. 
Right. And so I went in and then to get on the medications and that's when I started dealing with things. Right. The medication <laughs> felt created, worse after the medication. Well, yeah, because of the medication. Plus was... you have the ex added stress of having to deal with that issue. Yeah. And, you know, and with that particular issue, you're taking your blood pressure all the time. And it's, it's like you're getting bad news all the time, or I was, and it just, it weighs on you. Um, yeah. It's like, why won't this, you know, so you could do what I do. You could just avoid, <laughs> avoid. There's good advice, right? Yeah. Well, I have a, <clears throat> I have a laugh because I was on the phone yesterday with um, a practitioner who's in my family, and we were we were giggling about the fact that I went in for my mammogram yesterday, and it was perfect. Thank mm -hmm. you. I'm very happy about that. But I was a little stressed yesterday in general. Shocking, right? Yeah. About some other issues that were going on. So instead of me going and doing the blood pressure check and doing all the blood work, I bypassed the clinic and left <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, this is not a good. But I did it. I mean, I out that because you know I have no problem stating that it would not have been an accurate reading. It would have been an an accurate reading for the moment, but it would have been situational, and I knew yeah. it was not going to be good. <laughs> I said to her, I said they probably would have put me in the hospital because yeah. it would have been so high. So I wasn't willing to, I, I was too busy. To That's be... how I get the news, by the way. Uh, <clears throat> what? Uh, I went to a, a, a convenient care for a totally different thing. Oh. And look, look, by the way, you should go to the emergency room. What? <laughs> it's where my height, my blood pressure was. It's like that's not the way you want to hear the news. I know, right? Not talk about bedside manner and making your blood pressure go up higher. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I know the face, the face drop of like, you know, oh my God. Yeah. And like I said, I was totally asymptomatic. I had no idea I had any of these issues. And and then I first of all, I'm not going to the emergency room. That's nuts. So I just called and made an appointment to talk to somebody. It, yeah. Yeah. I mean, clearly if you'd been going along that long, I mean, without knowing. Yeah. That wasn't you know, but people I was feeling good till about 10 seconds ago. <laughs> Until they spoke to me, I was fine. Yeah. Um, well, and that happens. So so men, I'm gonna give men this one. Men typically avoid going to get any kind of care. And then when they do go, they find these things out. Yeah. But one of the reasons why men avoid going is because they don't want to find these things oh, out. Yeah. So they don't go. Yeah. So there's the, you know, the awareness, people know their bodies well, for the most part, even when people are kind of walking around in their Disney world, I mm -hmm. call it their Disney world, right? People do know that there's something up or they have some kind of awareness. But some of the stuff you talked about is difficult to be self-aware about yes. because for example, tiredness, well, um, I'm old, I got a couple kids or I'm older, I got a couple kids, I'm tired. Right. It's and just natural. And you don't know that it's a problem. Well, and that's, and that's to my point of yeah. like that, tiredness often isn't treated when people say I'm tired, it gets bypassed and put aside by someone. And when someone says that to me, I have like a million, million point checklist in my head that I start going through. I don't just oh, no, go, but the oh, person doesn't recognize it's a problem. Right. It's just like, oh yeah, no, but they'll say they're tired. Cause yeah. I'll ask every, you know, pretty much every time, like, you know, how are you sleeping or, yeah. you know, how are things going like that? And or are you tired? Or people usually will say, oh, I'm super tired. And if that's a chronic thing that I hear often from someone, I will go through that and be saying like, well, what else is going on? And when's the last time we've had labs? And, you know, most psychologists, I don't think talk about that yeah. with their clients. They just talk about how does that make you feel? And yeah. I'm, you know, a holistic, natural. Never been asked for labs. <laughs> so, so, and it's important yeah. because yeah. you don't have to be someone that knows how to read a lab. I just happen to be a person that knows how to do that. And have some training in that. Um, 
I should say more than training. I'm certified in that. But so, so, but you, you should ask those questions because if you're missing that, you're doing a disservice. Um, and if you're, and if you have symptoms, um, over and over again, and you haven't addressed them because you think they're just related to, oh, it's diabetes or it's, I have a thyroid condition or whatever, and you're not really addressing yeah. the chronic piece of it, you're always under distress. And your typical everyday GP, PCP, whatever, they're not addressing that. And that's, it's an unfortunate thing. And so I, I, I'm hoping to bring awareness in this conversation to, let's just take it also because you know make it more alcohol and substance abuse that's a chronic illness mm -hmm. they go hand in hand to mental health issues it's a dual diagnosis sure. i don't know anyone we can get off we can get off on this one because um i don't know anyone that has an ism that doesn't have a mental health issue right they go hand in hand you know people say oh well it's i don't i don't have a dual diagnostic i'm like mm -hmm. <laughs> how, how, how can you not? Right. And that's not a bad thing because the, the ism is the symptom of the problem. So if you're alcoholic or if you're a drug addict or, you know, someone that's not in recovery and you're active in addiction, that's the symptom of the problem. The problem is the underlying issue that's creating anxiety, agitation, or depression or something diagnosable in terms of, it's not a medical condition. Typically it's not right. diabetes doesn't make you an alcoholic alcoholism can make you diabetic yeah. right but so it's going to be that under that's why therapy exists that's why um programs rehab the ism is a coping mechanism yes, for for what you're for dealing what with you're dealing with yeah. which you're not dealing with but you're doing it through these these ways so that's probably one of the best examples of a chronic illness truly a medical condition that does not um often get addressed well enough deep enough because it's they slap band-aids on it. It has changed a lot, but, and you know this cause you do other shows with, with people in, in, in addiction, but and in recovery work, but the advocacy piece of just going into a detox and then being thrown into a rehab or an outpatient program <clears throat> without doing deep hmm. work on in deep meaning you got to go back in your, your childhood essentially and figure out where your stuff started. Um, it's, it didn't, I often get people come to me and say, I never had an addiction issue until I was in my twenties and I had back surgery or I had, right. Yeah. Right. But that's because it never had reason to pop up. It never had, um, a reason to be there. It's always got, you didn't get some, the invite to the party. Right. So exactly. It's <laughs> yeah. kind of like schizophrenia, schizophrenia yeah. genetically lays in you and you might get, you might have it appear and you might not, but it doesn't typically appear till after you're 18 years old. Sometimes there's pediatric. It's very rare, but I use that as a, as a way of a gauge too, is it saying like schizophrenia runs in families very high. That's the way it passes, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to be you're going to be in full schizophrenia or ever even have the symptoms. So that's so important to understand that if you're 25 years old and you have an injury and all of a sudden you've taken Vicodin, Percocet, whatever it is, and now you're addicted to it. Yes, there's an addictive property to those things that makes that, but your brain is already set pre preset for that. And I see that. I know that's Michelle. I'm not sure what did she say? I can't see that. Am I, I'm blind. Just an XO. Oh, I thought it said no. I'm like, what is she saying no to? <laughs> oh, XO, XO. Um, I was like, what did I say? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So I, I, I think this is one of the best ways to talk about chronic mental health issues and a, and a chronic medical condition is through addiction because they are so um, representative of actually any other medical condition you can think of in terms of how it creates a, me- a mental health issue or mm-hmm. vice versa. Um, you, you just have an underlying thing that's going on. And you can also have an ism, like you can be a drinker and a gambler or a sex addict because of, of many different things that have happened to you. And it doesn't have to be because you took a drug or because you had a drink. It's because something happened. Right. And if you don't look at that and many people don't, people go, Oh, that was no big deal. That didn't, you know, that, that, but when I bring it up in their history and I say, well, I can't tell you how many times people will say, I'll say, so in your childhood, yeah. Was there anything remarkable or striking to you that like happened? And I can't tell you how many times in 27 years I've heard people say, yeah, no, that's, I had a normal, healthy, fun. Yeah. My parents were great. And of course, I always have a side eye with like, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah. that's never true. And it's not that it's awful. And it's not the parents fault. It's it's it can be anything. It can but be you a, almost always get there, don't you? you yes. Yeah. It's always it's always uh, always. And I say that loosely. It goes back to stuff that's happened in your experience zone. Now your experience zone could be family, extended family, school, on on a t-ball team. It could be, but it's in your experience zone if something has been created around you, yep. um, either through modeling um, and, and, and or also having, you know, an athlete who has a chronic injury from being a child who's pushed hard in like, you know, soccer, gymnastics. Yep. Uh, swimming, skating, whatever, you know what I mean? So, and then you add that in and then something else happens and then you have mental um, pressure Yep. and then that happens. So, but if you don't get breaks from that kind of low grade, right. um, Anxiety, Mm -hmm. fight or flight, you know, it's just, it's, it's the nature of our society on a baseline anyway, unless you have this, yeah. Unless you have the tools to give yourself breaks every now and again, but you add in a chronic illness, Right. And it could be anything. Right. Could you just have allergies, for example? Right. And every time an allergy thing comes up, you just feel more and more depressed about it. Well, and, and so to that point, so growing up, I, I so I have chronic, I have asthma. I've had asthma since I was yeah, born. Another one. I have, yeah. I, it, it's right. I mean, it's great right now in terms of like, I keep it at bay. Um, I'm medicated all the time for it. But growing up, there wasn't medication for it in the way that there is now. And I struggled. Because I had many moments, especially in the winter, where I thought I was going to die. Mm-hmm. And because it was always present and there was nothing to suppress it. There was nothing to keep it at bay. And yeah, um, so think of the strain of that. And that was, and I remember it being, and, and so likening it to this, I remember it being so painful. And I won't out the actual family member that used to say this to me, but I have a family member in my family circle that used to tell me that it was in my head <laughs> yeah. when I couldn't breathe which would make me more, I remember as a little girl being so anxious about being told it's in my head. Yeah. Um, and that person also told another family who also had, has asthma in the family. It's the same thing. Um, very insensitive and, and, and really hasn't changed much in all the years since. So. And idiotic. Yeah. And, and it's worse um, than insensitive. It's just ignorant. It, well, ignorant, insa- yeah. In, yeah. In, insensitive, uh, you know, mean, terrible, yeah. but that created, so much stress because it was as a kid and what happens to kids, I can't speak to the adult who, who was being told this, but as a kid, I remember, um, and I think this happens to most kids cause I see this all the time. 
I remember feeling like somehow it was my fault and that somehow I could control it because yep. I valued this stupid comment yep. over and over again because it came from an authority figure who was close to me to say that. But then I knew it wasn't true. So I was I was little. I can remember like five and six years old. I remember being in mental conflict over, but I'm I'm having this. I can't control it, but feeling ashamed that I had it because yep. they were saying I I was doing this on purpose. I can't it control it, but I should be able to right. control it. Yeah. Right. So that in and of itself is a huge thing. So when you're like, I started the show with sort of like a generic overall, like, well, you know, chronic illness, this is the depth that goes into, you have to be able to go back and go, oh, I know why, when that happens, like if I start having any asthma symptoms, that stuff flares up into my head all the time because I'm super aware of it. And then I'm, I have to be like, oh, you know, take the, you know, take your flow vent or you haven't taken your flow vent you better. And, you know, during the winter, I up it because I know that bronchially I'm, Yep. You know, and they've come out with all these new things too, but I'm, you know, I'm like, oh, but I, I had to work really hard. And I think most people have to work really hard to get whatever mental message, whatever tape has been played in your head for you to make you feel bad about, you know, you know, you're not really, you're not really sick. You're not really, you don't really have that. So as a gymnast, as a runner, I, I knew that, and, and this was a good message, you know, like the more activity you do with a chronic illness, that I didn't have, yeah. Um, then it, it, the better your lungs get, the better you, 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 so that helps. So when people, people have no idea now, now they do, but when I run the marathon and I run, I, I, one of the reasons why I'm not like out there, you know, setting world records is I'm not out there to do that because I also have to be very careful because I'm managing a breathing issue right. the whole time, which I don't have problems with when I'm running, but it could present itself. I'm never without, you know, my inhalers or whatever. Right. So, th but that's just my story there to just say that that's a lot of stress on someone, but it's in the background because I'm now used to taking care of it, but it could always pop up. And that's the thing is it's always like, it's the bear in the back of the cave, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and so, and that's, and that's using my story to show that that's so common for, I think many people. But that you've touched upon the key to dealing with it haven't you in terms mm -hmm. of being able to um frame that anxiety in a way that you can deal with it all right yes you know because what happens is often it's in the background like people are tired all the time and that gets them depressed right and they think well i'm just i'm at that age i'm working right. hard i'm just tired all the time don't take the time for themselves i'm aware of it like why am i i shouldn't be tired right you know Right. Well, and, and well, and that's so. So moving to a different scenario, right? I have, I have a the conversation you and I had. It's like I could take a nap a half an hour after I get up. Right. It's like that's not right. Right, because that yeah. means to me that says yeah. something's off. Yeah. And it's not, and it's, and it's medical and mental health that because they're working together, and it's like we have to figure out medically first. Yeah. You always figure out medically first what's going on, and that that gets bypassed a lot. So that's to my point is that medically. You got to make sure you know what's going on so that you can address it so that then those can be taken care of so that that might actually take care of some of the mental health issues that you're struggling with. And people, the basis, the basis of training in psychology, just so that everyone knows, we're supposed to, by training, take and look at medical conditions first, rule them all out, and then work on the other thing. It doesn't have, I do that that's consistent for me because yeah. I, I love what I do. And I also love figuring the puzzles out. Right. So yeah. plus you've got a, there's a time component for you. You can work with the patient, right. A GP can't, 
can't five do. minutes in, right. in the room, if right. that, yeah. right? Or the GP that will come in for 30 seconds and stand across the room and be like, Oh, okay, yep, and then leave. I and love go, those yeah, stories, yeah, and then don't <laughs> talk to them. the nurses and right. take care of you, yeah. right? I'm like, yeah. Okay, um, yeah, if that has happening to you, by the way, that's probably not a good GP for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's one of the reasons I chose a PA, right. They just have more time. They're under less stress and just more open to things. Well, and, and so PAs and and NPs, nurse practitioners, mm -hmm. have similar have similar training in terms of like the level of, of care, and they can spend more time with you. But they actually have the exact same minuscule off here, but they have pretty much the same training as an MD, yep. and they just get more time. Um, they just don't go. They don't get the same pay. Yeah. So, but they, they do get that time. So, I mean, if you can find a good PA or a good MP, uh, you know, I'm all for that. Because the GP aspect of it, I, you can tell me if you think I'm wrong here. The GP aspect you. of it here is that if you need a doctor for a condition, you get a referral and you go to a specialist. Right. Typically. You, you don't want to be treated. You never, I don't never want to be treated, treated by a GP. Well, so here, help me identify it and get me to someone who can help me treat it. Well, here and here's my here's my difficulty with many GPs that do what they do, they play psychologists and psychiatrists is that I get people coming in and I'll get their medication list because that will tell me what is physically going on with them. And it always starts with, oh, do you want to know what my psych meds are? And I'm like, is this from a psychiatrist? No, no, no. My primary care gave this to me. I'm like, oh, <laughs> so I already know before they tell me, I'm like, oh, it's going to be so loft. Prozac or Paxil. Yep. And, and those are just the throw into all category drugs and, and they work, but they work for really specific things. And, you know, it's cause the checklist. Yep. And so they went, you know, oh, 50 milligrams is all off. There you go. Mm, how about we do a real assessment on that first, maybe send someone to a psychologist or someone who's an expert at it. Yeah. I was going to say, what was the length of the conversation that led to that prescription? It was the checklist. Yeah. I'm serious. I yeah, mean, most not of the even it's, a conversation. It's, it's yeah. It, yeah. not even a conversation. It's I see that on the checklist, and it's usually them sitting behind. I've been in many consults like this where they're sitting behind the computer, not looking at the patient, just saying uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, and typing, and then they say, okay, well, I'm going to put you on this, this, and this, and the and the patient says, okay, like no, yeah, no. How about we're going to try exercise first? We're going to change your diet around a little bit. So that's what I was going to say. So I was going back to, um, you know, chronic. So so people who are overweight, right? I I do a lot of overweight counseling and and you know, I have clients who are obese and are trying to lose weight. And so mm -hmm. <clears throat> providing service to get them medically cleared for surgeries, getting right. all those things. Um, Cause there are, there are, you know, certain standards that are supposed to happen. Like if you have surgeries, you got to lose some weight, especially if you're obese, et cetera. Um, they have to show you have to show, have to show you're capable you, of a you program have to show that you have the motivation yeah. to lose weight and keep it off at a certain amount. And, and it's hard for people. So, you know, they come to me for strategies or the doctor send them for that. And um, so I have a client right now who uh, is getting foot surgery and she's very, very heavy. And um, it's very hard to get her to lose weight because in her mind, it's like, well, the medical condition is so bad at this point, and it is. Yeah. She's going to have to have the foot surgery because there's really no other way because the heaviness is creating more of a problem. It's going to continue to make the the foot worse. Yeah. So, I'm, I, you know me, I'm a very blunt doctor. So <laughs> I'm, you know, I said to her last week because she is having it soon. I said, we need to get your weight down 
by a good 50 to 100 pounds in the next year because you're young ish right yeah and your your foot is at the bottom of your body and we haven't even started talking about your knees and your hips yet and yeah. to have starting at your young age to have these surgeries when we know that it's the weight that's creating the problem and the other doctor told her the same thing we are not addressing the issue mm -hmm. so where she and I are working on the underlying reason for the eating and the poor choice making and the self-soothing behaviors and the ism that comes with right. that. And at the same time, making sure that we're staying aware that knees and hips and feet joints, because that's where weight, you know, if you're not active and you, and you're eating, you can't, you can't outrun a bad diet. Right. And, and, Unfortunately, many of my clients have that, well, I only had it today, but those todays add up like it's been for, oh, I only had DoorDash once this week, Yeah. but then I had pizza and I had a latte that had 4,000 pounds of sugar in it and, you know, and they're creating their chronic illness and adding to it over and over. And obesity is a chronic illness. People don't see it like that, but it is. And it's, if you don't look at the underlying root cause mm -hmm. of what is causing that, and you know that it's, you can be genetically predisposed to be heavier, but that is, yeah. can't be the cop out. And you know, for that, because everyone has the ability to make good choices, not self-soothe, do other things that are healthy and do it in different ways. So she's eating to cope with something. Right. So find out what it is you're so coping with. So, so yeah. we're, so we've been working on that and, yeah. and it's, it's getting better. But it's a very slow process, as you know. And then it snowballs because you're eating to, you're eating almost in defiance of the fact that you're heavy because. Well, because you get so down about it. It's yeah. a very vicious cycle. And yeah. that's with anything. Yep. Like you get into it, you know, it's kind of like people with diabetes. I, I, I'm laughing because, you know, people with diabetes will take their insulin after having cake because they have insulin and that's their justification. Well, I can just take my insulin. So <laughs> yeah. that, you know, and you're like, yeah. you don't understand what you're doing to your body and your life, you know? And, yeah. you know, I've said this many times, I'd rather run, eat healthy, do all the right things and die younger than go through my life and do the other things and suffer and still die at same age. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So if I'm, if I'm going to be 60 and, and die, hopefully that doesn't happen, but if I'm going to be 60 and die, I'd rather have gone to the 60 years right. doing all I could to be healthy. And that doesn't mean I don't eat a piece of pizza, you know, right, Michelle, I'll eat my pizza. <laughs> right. Um, or I do those things or have ice cream because I do, but it's about making sure that 99% of the time I'm staying on point And I know my, I know my issues. Right? Oh, when so, I went through the weight loss, my phrase was, I don't eat stupid 100% of the time. Right, right. Yeah. And the thing about that phrase, too, is so important because you can't, people don't lose weight or don't get through that chronic illness piece of their weight issue when they eat 50% of the time stupid, too. Yeah. Like, people will say, like, why well, cut back? Mm, okay. You know, it's kind of like cigarettes. I cut, I, I am three pack a day and I cut back, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're still, but you're still yeah. doing the behavior. So it's, I only had pizza three times this week, but then I went to McDonald's the other time. Oh my God. Right. <laughs> and, and unfortunately 
talk about a chronic illness now that's in, in, and you see this on a lot of the morning shows and I don't know if you're home for it, but early morning shows will talk a lot about the pa the pandemic creating more of the obesity issue as a chronic illness. Um, so you would know right there that that's not, that's not yeah. genetics. Right. That's, that's social right. modeling. Um, but people become so compliant, complicit, complaint, you know, complacent and all those C words to get in there to become emotional eaters for their boredom, for their uh, frustration, their disconnect from life. Um, and it's creating now that. And people who are heavy, that doesn't mean that they can't be happy. And so, you know how people say, well, I'm heavy and I'm happy. I have not personally in my office met a person who's heavy who will say they're happy. Yeah. Now, can you be heavier and happy? Sure. But that doesn't mean that you're, you, and you don't have to be stick thin either. People often think, well, it's one or the other. No, it's about getting to a healthy weight so that you don't die or you don't have malfunctions and chronic illnesses like mm -hmm. diabetes or see, you know, some kind of cardiovascular issue because that creates so much anxiety and stress on the body that then you have cardiovascular issues and have heart attacks or strokes. I mean, so, but I wish that doctors would train their patients into realizing the connection between these things more. They do make the connections. I know, because I know that people say, if you don't lose weight, you're going to have yeah. this issue, but they don't play it all the way through. Like this will lead to death early. This lowers your mortality rate. You know, I mean, we all joke about the fact that, you know, if, if, for every hot dog, supposedly you eat, it takes like seven minutes off your life <laughs> or something, you know, yeah. but it's, it's about, it's about the bigger picture of knowing that if you are going to do this X behavior um, and you have already a predisposition for this, you're going to have a mental health issue and that's going to loop back around and create more of the medical condition, which is going to loop back around and make the mental health issue worse. And if you're not doing anything about it and you keep basically saying, well, I can't do anything about that because this is the hand I'm dealt. You're, you're wrong. Yep. You're wrong. And, and, and many people, not people that come to me because they're looking for the answer, but, um, there's so many people out there in the world doing that because they uh, submit to their medical condition and think that that is, well, this is what it is. Or they submit to, I'm obese, so it runs in my family, so it's okay. Yeah. So they just literally feed it. Yeah. Or it's done. It's just who I am. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And and the problem with that is there's social modeling around all these issues. Uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I, I have people in my life that they're, you know, that have people in their lives that say, well, it's okay because those are your genetics. That's okay because that's who you are. We're all like that in the family. It's like, no, that is not acceptable. And that, you know, and therefore that doesn't mean you go out and eat fries every night, which they do. You know, you, it, the problem is many people problem is you keep losing, you keep going into that battle every night and you, you know, you've got to find your know, places to get your victories and you've got to, right. Yeah, you know, it's it's a baby step type of situation. Well, and I think victory. So the victory in 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 this is is self advocacy and awareness. Mm -hmm. It always comes back to that: is how self aware are you of your own shit? Yep, Ooh, I swore. It's okay, right? <laughs> um, and the reason why I swore is actually because this is this is always the thing I say to my patients: is you have a choice to sit in your shit or get out of it. If you keep sitting in your shit, you're going to keep sitting in your shit. And it's not going to get any better. But that's the first piece of awareness you have to come to because most people are, it's out of my control. Right. It's happening to me. Right. Externalized. Yeah. Externalized. It's always happening to me. Ab ab <clears throat> advocating um, responsibility. Right. Take responsibility. And I, and 
so going back to addiction, right? Like alcoholism, a lot of times you'll hear people who don't want to do the work in their heads. Um, the common, I call it the cop-out phrase is, I don't know. I don't know. I hate that phrase. Yeah. Yes, you do. You absolutely know. You just don't want to say it out loud because that takes responsibility onto you and yep. you have to look at it. Accountability and responsibility for people is exceptionally hard. And when you don't, here's here's such a good thing about um, this topic today is when you do not take responsibility and accountability for things that have happened or things that you're contributing to your own crap, right? You're actually creating more of a stress cycle in your body. And when people are in the isms that we have talked about, typically they put it out on other people and blame them. They'll say that they're not, but that's essentially what they're doing. They're doing that external, like, well, it's not my fault. Yeah. It's not my fault. And a lot of people then will do the soul search and find where their sticking points are and say, well, that happened to me. So that's the problem. And I can't do anything about it because I can't go back and fix it or undo it. And that person, you know, and therefore I'm going to continue the behavior because hands up, I'm yep. like, I, I submit to the problem instead of saying, wait a second, how do I, how do I get some mental toughness here? And I think that, um, going back to the pandemic, I think we have gone down that, um, shoot for the middle. <laughs> Let's be average or, or, you know, or settle for less than because yep. it's just easier. And I think that creates such a, uh, um, an unfortunate trend for upcoming generations to become more problematic and less together, less aware, less all the things. I think the point that's missed a lot of times is the opposite of that cycle that you just described is true as well. You can gain momentum and positivity. Yes. You get weight loss is a great example of this because you lose that first five pounds. You go, Hey, Hey, I had a little, I had a little control. I have a little effect. Right. And you just start digging in you just, right. you know, go more and more. It gets tougher and tougher because you lose that. Right. That first weight really easily, but just having understanding you have some control over your outcomes. Right. Well, so I call it, be, so I, I tend not to use positivity because it's the cliche of the just yeah. do it, right? But it's the productivity. If you're being productive, if you're being action oriented, you're going to get results. If you're actually being moderate with your food or you're taking out all sugars or you're not eating white bread or you're doing some one thing that's going to change you, you're going to have something there that goes, oh, okay, I can do this. Yep. And that's with anything that will help with diabetes that would help with weight that would you know if someone's smoking yes stepping back and taking you know one week at a time and, and cutting back and cutting back alcohol typically doesn't work like that kind of have to put yeah. that one down yeah. um same with drugs uh you know but having that ability to step that back a little bit is so important just taking some control well yeah get, get mean, some wins right and and Small step wins. And and I think it's obvious, at least to me, that people think that they're taking control when they eat, drink, drug, have sex, gamble, shop. Mm -hmm. That's their sense of control because they're doing retail therapy or they're because it's making them feel good in that moment. But that moment is fleeting and it fills the cup up halfway and then it depletes because you got to start with, you got to start with a cup that's at least half full anyway. Right. If you're doing this to get your cup full or half full or even a little bit in the cup, you're going to, it's going to fail. It's going to drain. And then you're going to have to keep going back to the well to fill it. And it's being filled with unhealthy things for you. And it creates medical conditions. Mm -hmm. 
or the medical condition creates that. I mean, it's just, it's just such a vicious cycle. Um, so the other thing that people roll their eyes at and term comes up here, it's, there's a self-care element to this and people mm -hmm. roll their eyes at this because they don't think they, they should be getting self-care. Mm -hmm. I get stuff to do. I can't take care of myself, but it, the more, the better you get it, easing those, that chronic nature of whatever it is that's bothering you, the stronger you get in terms of dealing with it. Right. So you got to take some time and get a break. Right. And that's why everyone laughs at walks. Right. Go take a 15 minute walk. But 15 minute walk is better than nothing. And 15 minutes, four or five times a week adds up to the 70 or so minutes that you need yeah. to protect off, uh, you know, breast cancer, uh, you know, cancers of all kinds, um, brain fog, uh, you know, people, you know, just, you know, take you know, sleep on it or take a walk on it and things change. Yeah. I mean, that really I'm tired. Take your dog and go for a walk. Right. Give yourself a break for 15 minutes. Right. And, you know, right. Or yeah, because I have, I'm, I'm working with a client right now that says that they're tired and then they take three and four hour naps, which is the worst remedy yeah. in the world for that because it's, yeah. their sleep cycle is all off because of it. Yeah. Um, then you get all kinds of issues. Right. And yeah. it, and it keeps contributing to the problem. Um, and, and, and actually they're using it as a technique to try to lose weight, which blows my mind because the more napping sleep, to lose weight. They, Wouldn't that be great? But they are losing weight because they're not up enough to eat. So I'm they're not. doing it. Oh, see, that's the depression cycle right, right there. Right. Where exactly. you're in your depression and you're just waiting for the next time you can fall asleep. Right. And that's yeah. what I've explained to them. Like, yeah. that this is this is what's happening. And although you have lost weight and it's working and they're, they're getting that payoff, like you're missing out on life every day because you're using this as a strategy to lose weight. Yeah, but you don't have to go. You don't have to fall asleep to avoid to, to, to have the same type of effect. Right. But the coping strategy is yeah. there because that's what they've been modeled. They have other people around them that have done the same thing. Yeah. It's, but we live we live day to day in this chronic stress environment yeah. and just from whatever the stress of our circumstances right. the stress of chronic illness right 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 you got to break that cycle sometimes because right it's going to wear you down right and you have well and the first thing is you have to know that it exists so if you have a chronic illness give yourself kudos that your chronic illness is likely creating some of your life problems mm -hmm. um and they don't have to be like over the top crazy problems it just could be your day-to-day -day stressors could be just the symptom of your chronic medical condition and then you're anxious all the time or you have that low level of anxiety all the time because something's there yeah and and people just every every time i get clients that are like this is because they've been taught to separate out your mind and your body from each other and they're and you can't function without them together and and your medical conditions are related to everything going on in your brain and vice versa and it's and it's about what you consume visually auditorily in your you know food products it's in your awareness it's in your environment it's your experiences yep. all of that creates you know and too often you're told that well that's life Right. You know, I got money issues. My kids are struggling in school. You know, the car just broke right. down and it and wears I, on you. But people will tell you, well, it's life. It's like, right. Well, and my and, you know, my response to that, which is my tagline on my website, is you function despite dysfunction. Yeah. You have to function despite dysfunction. You know, yes, it's life. And and things can be incredibly unfair. Certainly we all have those things and you still have to figure out a way to function, because if not, you succumb to it and then you become. A disaster yeah I mean, you don't why, fix that's it like people relapse that's where people have recovery issues from from mental health issues or from their isms or from whatever it is because they succumb to well that's life 
Yeah. And it, I've been dealt a bad hand. Well, this is the sports part of it. You don't yeah. fix it by curling up. No. Yeah. Right. You have to make changes and adjust and adapt. Yeah. Right. So but once you learn that skill, once you get some wins under your belt and you understand you have some control over your outcomes, you get really, you know, it's almost an ism in its own. It's well, like, yes. Well, I've got some control over this. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 I have a, I have a really great story about a, a kid that I've talked to you about recently. He, he's a, like what I would consider a, an elite runner at a very young age, like super, there it is. We made it to the, almost the end the of the show. Out. I know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, he's an amazing runner. And before he came to me, he was an amazing runner and he's still an amazing runner. And they came to me because we needed to tweak his anxiety that he was getting that was not making his performances the best that they knew he could and he wanted. He has been flying literally and figuratively ever since. And because he's actually taken the techniques that I've given him with his own technical skill and has done that work, he gained a sense of control when yeah. he thought he didn't have that. And once he showed himself one or two times that now he's just flying and he's succeeding with the knowledge that not every time will be that perfect or that that next success but he's having it and he sees that that works so it's a life skill now that at this very yep. young age that he's at he's going to have that for the rest of his life and i always say that to him like you're going to keep going you, you use this in every single yep. thing that you do in life is you always have these particular techniques i gave you because you can use it for everything and he's totally on that and that is that is like what I'd want for all people to do. And that's what I want for all of my clients, patients to do. That's to why I that. think weight loss is so central, right? The ability to gain those skills of dealing with that and, and controlling your outcomes and getting some gains. Right. Just translates to everything else. Right. Exactly. Once you learn that skill set, you can just use it. Exactly. Yeah. And that, and that's, and I think that in, in saying that, everything's a process and a journey and it does take time and the instant gratification piece that people want something now gets in the way of that. And I ask people to be patient with themselves because it didn't take you, it didn't take you two days to get into the woods. Right. You know, it probably took you 20 years or 15 years if you're a kid or, you know, 40 years if you're older. So it's not going to take that long to get out, but it's certainly going to take you time and you have to be steadfast. And that doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. It means that you just have to be, not seeking instant gratification because that's the thing we always talk about at the top of the year. It's like, Oh, resolutions. There we go. Yep. It's going to fail in three weeks because we're into, we want it now. We set a goal for 30 pounds and it's like, okay, why don't we just do two pounds? Just yeah, two, exactly. just two. And, and then we're like, okay, because that scale moves up and down and people go, Oh my God, I'm not losing any weight. Forget it. And they throw the white towel in and say, I'm done. Two pounds. That's a day. That's, yeah, right. Exactly. Morning that's, to afternoon. That's water. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, let's just try for just a little bit. Um, anyway. Oh, John saying it was a great show. He's pushing, he's ending the show for you. I, it, <laughs> yeah. There we go. Um, so anyway, uh, for oh the other thing i was going to mention speaking of the show in the past week or so i have gotten numerous people asking from the show for appointments so yeah. and where am i so i'm in massachusetts in the united states i can't do appointments if you are in australia or 
Afghanistan or I'm trying to think of like India. Think of all the places that people are. I love that you're contacting yep. me. Please listen to the shows. You know, if you'd like a particular um, show or something for me to do it on, please give me those feedbacks. But know that I am in Massachusetts in the United States. I can't see you across the world like that. <laughs> Um, and that's very difficult. So you'll have to get your therapy from a local therapist. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly you can use my shows as tools for yourself. And I love that people are reaching out for that. But if you are local and you would like to have an appointment with me, certainly that is possible. However, there is a wait list because I have a very long wait list mm -hmm. and people are on the wait list and are willing to wait. So you are, you will eventually get the call, but it will probably be within the year, not in two weeks. Yep. So please note that if you do call or you text me uh, or email me, you will, you'll get a response, but it will be that you will have to be on the wait list and it will be time because yep. I only have so much time and, <laughs> and, and people like doing the work that I do with them. And I'm very appreciative of that. So I, and I love that people have been reaching out because last week was like a boon of that. Like, I, I know, right. I was like, I saw you responding to lots of people. I'm like, Oh my God. And then I, when I finally found it, people were far and wide away, which is great. And I love that I have listeners around the world. Um, but I just want to make sure people knew that I'm in the United States it, on the East coast and in new England. Yeah. In Massachusetts. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, but thank you guys for listening. And um, I, I'm thinking next week, I'm going to do a show on spiritual wellness. Ooh. I've been asked because we're coming into Halloween. Mm -hmm. I should have Ron come on. <laughs> Ron's kind of laid up. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, so, but I'm, I'm going to do a show, I think on spiritual wellness and paranormal stuff because people often ask me about nice. you know, spiritual um spiritual wellness in general and how it's not really talked about a lot, mm. especially in any medical or mental health setting. Um, and then also people um, love talking about the paranormal and there are paranormal psychologists and, yep. and that fascination. So, um, and there's also mental health issues around that stuff too. So I'm going to try to tie it all together in the show next week. So, oh. all right. So you guys have a fantastic week. Happy Halloween. If you celebrate or all souls day or, or whatever rituals you have this weekend, be safe and, um, and have a great week.